Hebrews 9, look at verse 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto salvation. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So, in reality, the Bible's predicting the fact that you and I have two appointments. One's with death, and one is with God. We have an appointment with death, and we have an appointment with God. Now, you say, why do we have an appointment with death? Why do men die? Why do people die? Well, the biblical answer is found in Romans, where it says, by the disobedience of one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. The reason why people die is because of the sin problem that you and I have. Right from the beginning, God gave Adam one command. It was simple. It wasn't difficult. He gave him one command and he failed and disobeyed and rebelled against God. And because of Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. The reason why you and I are dying or decaying physically is because we have in inherited the sinful nature of Adam. We have inherited this curse which simply has been passed on from one generation to another generation. It's the curse of death. And everyone in this room, as the Bible declares, has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what color uh, you are, doesn't matter what race you are, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you all have come uh, under sin. We've all guilty before God, we've all uh, committed sin, whether it's by you know, nature or by choice. Every one of us have. Well, you just have to look at the Ten Commandments and it shows us that you have. Uh, we all have. Have you ever lied before? Have you ever stolen something? You know, our society has dumbed down sin to make it, you know, like as if it's normal. Like it's okay, it's a mistake. No, a mistake is when you, uh, you know, you try to spell someone's name and you get it wrong. That's a mistake, that's an error. Sin is a lot worse. Sin is willful disobedience or, uh, you know, sometimes it's out of ignorance. You do it because it's, uh, you know, by nature, it's who you are. Kids do it. Kids, you know, sin is because they're sinning machines. By the way, I tell my dad, they're not angels. He says, how you, how's, how's the angels doing? I said, they're not angels, dad. Try to understand they're sinners in need of a savior. I understand the, 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 the time of innocence of children when they grow up. They don't acknowledge their sin like a man does or they don't take advantage of it like a grown-up adult does. I understand that. They do it because of their nature. They, they're sinners by nature. But there's going to become a time where you become a sinner by choice. And you understand what's right. And you understand the truth. And you rebel against it. Those things begin to happen when you disobey your parents. And by the way, that command was given with a promise. You continue to disobey, disobey or dishonor your parents. In life, you'll live a short 
life. Your life will be cut short. It's a, it's a, it's a command with a promise. You, you see so many teenagers die. They wrap a car around a pole or, you know, something happens. You know, they go out, they get shot, stabbed. It's because they, they've, you know, re- removed themselves under their parents' protection. Under their parents' authority, whether they're saved or unsaved. Some parents that are not saved, uh, some of them are morally upright. They want the best for their children. And you say, oh, you know, I've been there, I've, been, I've done that. How come I didn't, I didn't die young? Well, why don't you count that to be the grace of God? Or maybe why don't you count that to say, maybe you have never heard the gospel before. I know, I look back, and I should have been dead about at least three times that I'm aware of before I came to Christ. And you say, why didn't you die? Well, I believe personally looking back now is because I've never heard the gospel in its entirety. Did I rebel? Yes. Was I, was I sinning and knowing that things were wrong and I was going against my God-given conscience? Absolutely. But I've never ever been given the gospel and rejected it willfully. I've never even counted the cost. When I first heard the gospel, when I was 24 years old, by the grace of God, I responded. As a matter of fact, when I came to Christ, I thought to myself, why wouldn't everyone come to Christ after hearing this? And I submit to you is because people do not see themselves sinners. That day, when the gospel was preached to me, you didn't have to convince me long enough that I was a sinner. Hands down, I knew I was a sinner. And I knew I was caught. And I, I was exposed that day. I knew I was a wicked person. You know, I would never speak ill of God, even as an unsaved person. Right now, you have brazen rebels that have a fist up to God, you know, even blaspheme against God, say some vulgar, disgusting things, don't even care, they're mockers and scoffers. It is absolutely absurd with what we hear today and what's taking place today. It is crazy. You say, why? Because we're living in a generation that not only curses God, but their own parents. You know what got me that day? You know what really shattered me that day? When I realized I was a sinner? Was it drugs? No. Have you taken drugs? Yes. Was it fornication? No. Did you fornicate? Yes. Then what was it? it? One of the things that really broke me that day when the gospel was preached is how I treated my own mother. So is that a crime? It's one of the moral laws. I disrespected her, dishonored her. I'd come home late. My mum would be worried or sick about me. She'd where you been? I said, just get out of my, just leave me alone. Leave me. I want to do what I want to do. That's rebellion. You know, God has given you parents in your life as an authority. When you rebel against them, you rebel against God. It's a serious crime to dishonor your parents. But we don't see that today. Why? Because we're in that wicked generation right, that uh, Paul talks to Timothy about. And one of the perilous times that he talks to them about is disobedience to their own parents. There was a time where kids respected their parents. They honored their parents. Now, forget about it. Now, forget about it. They get used to it. So let me say this to you. The reason why people die is because of sin 
and rebellion and the sin, listen, of disobedience. So what did Adam do? He ate a piece of fruit. It was good. It was good to the eyes. Perhaps had some nutrition. Did he kill anybody? No. Did he take any drugs? No. Did he fornicate? No, he couldn't. But what did he do? He disobeyed God. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, I haven't really done much, you know. I haven't really killed anybody. I haven't really, you know, gone out in the world and you know, did those things that the prison inmate do. I'm pretty good. Well, think again. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Have you ever dishonored your parents? That is enough to send you to a devil's hell, my friend. You say, oh, really? Yeah, it's God's law. And God's law is holy. God's law is not like men's laws. God's law is holier than men's law. See, Men want to dumb down the law in every sense of the word. Not only in our society, not only in the home, but even in the church. They want to make light of sin, light of God's word. And they don't want to take the things of God seriously. And you know what happens when people don't? It brings forth death. You see, read it from Genesis to all, all the way to Revelation. God despises rebels. He despised King Saul because he rebelled against God's commandment. He says, I'd rather you obey than sacrifice. So many people are deceived in churches today. It's because they think they're doing God a favor. I, I go to church. I'm in the worship band. I preach. I do this. I do wonderful things. But they're rebels in their hearts. They rebel against God in other areas. But they think their self-righteousness will excuse their sin, but it won't. As a matter of fact, it makes them Pharisees, self-righteous religious rebels. That's what happens. Remember that parable that Jesus told between the publican and the Pharisee that went up to pray and one boasted within himself and says, well, thank God I'm not like that person. He was boasting in his self-righteousness. The publican beat his hand upon his chest and he said, God have mercy upon me, a what? Sinner. That's the sin problem that you and every single one of us have. We have a problem called sin and it's the sin of disobedience. The reason why people disobey God in certain areas is because they disobey God in the area of this not having him as their God and loving him. That's the first commandment with all their heart, mind, strength. You have so many people today that are embittered against God and they hate God. And I don't know why, but you have so many people today that love themselves more than God. By the way, one of the fruits of salvation when you come to Christ, is loving the Lord Jesus Christ, loving God. Did you know that? And loving God is this. We obey him. We're not, no longer the first Adam that lives in disobedience. We start wanting to be like the second Adam that is obedient to God. We're not disobedient children living like the world that are disobedient to God, but we are now obedient children. We have passed from death to life. You say, how does that happen? Well, have a look at the verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of who? 
many. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way we can pass from death to life and, and, and be a people that is obedient is through Jesus Christ. Through his obedience upon the cross. He submitted to the will of the Father in all areas of his life. He was obedient, the Bible says, even to the death, the death of the cross. So when we're saved, God wants us now to be obedient children, not disobedient children. God is trying to help us become the second Adam. He wants the old man to die. He, he wants us to put off the old man and put on the new man. So the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Once to die. And the reason why we are dying and we're going, and going to die physically is because of sin. And then after this, the what? The judgment. You know, every single person will stand before God and give an account for all that they have done, thought, and said. You know, the Bible says every idle word is going to be accounted for on that day. Yesterday, I went out to uh, outreach in Hamilton and went to use the bathroom in one of the restaurants. And as I was walking in, a man was walking out. He had red hair. He was taller than me. I looked up. I said, you know, uh, you know, something uh, as, uh, oh yeah, I said to him, if you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? He says, well, I'm Jewish. I said, well, perfect. Yeah, I said, good. Jesus died for you. He came to his own, but his own received him not. I, look, I began to think, is, this, is he really Jewish? I mean, he's speaking Australian. I think he had a little grin on his face. But anyway, I kept preaching the gospel and sharing with him. And I said, are you pulling my leg? Anyway, uh, he said he wasn't. He, he went over there, gave him a track, went and to the bathroom, came back out. And he was sitting with about five or six other guys. I thought, man, they're chuckling and giggling. I think, man, I think he was pulling my leg. He's not Jewish. So anyway, I came around and I said, you know what? I said, you know, the Bible says that every idle word God is going to bring to account on Judgment Day. Every idle word. And one of the guys that was sitting there looked up and his face was very sober. Very sober. I said, if you die that day without receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything that you have said, not only done, is recorded and your own words will judge you in that day. Your own words. Can you imagine that? That our words, what we say about God, our, our, the, uh, what we think about God, will judge us in that day. Our words, our life. The evidence is there. It's clear. But you know, I said to him, gave him hope. I said, you know what? All your debt could be washed clean. All your debt, everything that you've done, every word, every action could be forgiven and, 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 and washed clean because of Christ. But if you die without Christ, your own words will judge you in that day. One other man that I met that night, I said, I'm glad that you're going to AA and I'm glad that you're clean. 
for so long. I'm glad you're not doing any those sins that you're doing before. But I said, that's not going to get you to heaven. Because he said, how, how, you know, I said to him, where will you go when you die? He says, I'll be gone. You know, I'm working at it. I'm working at it. He, he believes that he needs to work to get to heaven. I said, no matter how many things that you do or you stop sinning, it's not going to get you to heaven. I, you know, I, why? I said, you have a debt that is accounted for. There's a debt. How many sins that you have accumulated over the years? It's still, listen, outstanding. And on judgment day, that debt will condemn you. Everything that you've done, you see, we think we're going to get away with it. Man thinks that they're going to get away with it. That's the prop. That's the, this is one of the reasons why they want to actually, you know, excuse God away. They want to explain God away, I should say. Why? Because they don't want to be accountable. Well, they think they're not going to be accountable, but they will be accountable. They think that God is not watching or listening. You read the Psalms. They think as if God's turned a blind eye. Why? Because he's not taking action. Well, God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The reason why God hasn't stepped in yet and, uh, and, and balanced the books is because he loves you and he wants you to repent and turn before it's too late. That's why. But even then, they want to mock God. <laughs> Where is his sign of his coming? Everything remains the same since... You know, yeah, well, have you ever, has it ever dawned on you? Is because God is so patient and loving and kind that if you die without him, you're going straight to hell? I believe God is that long-suffering and patient with people that he gives them more than one chance to turn and consider their ways. And you say, how? What proves? Look how he dealt with his own people. Look at, look at Israel, the way he extended his, his mercy and grace with them time and time again. And he said to them, why will you die? Why will you die? Why don't you repent, come back and live? You know why people die and face God's judgment in that day? Because they reject God. They reject him. They want to remain disobedient people and children they want to go and live it up, so to speak. They love their sin more than the Savior. And you know what? You can't. You can love it. God's given you free will. But you'll never see the face of heaven. And you'll pay for every single, of, every single sin that you have committed. You'll pay for them. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You'll pay for them. There's a payment. If you reject Jesus Christ who paid for your sins, it says it very clearly here, so, verse 28, Christ was once offered to what? To bear the sins of many. He died in your place, listen, so you don't die in your sin and be judged for it and go to hell. This is not something that we should be, you know, uh, gambling with. This is your soul. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And then he goes on to say, what are you actually giving in exchange for your soul? Can I ask you something? The sin that you're dabbling with, the rebellion that you're in, the disobedient state that you are in, is, is, that, is, is that worth going to hell for? Why will you die? Why will you face a judgment that God doesn't want to, 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 to execute on that day? You know, God doesn't take pleasure in judging you. That's why he sent his son. For God sent his son in the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him, what is it, might be saved. You know, God doesn't take pleasure at the death of the wicked. 
It grieves God when people don't turn. It grieves God when they speak ill of him. It grieves God when they want to continue to be a rebel. And that day, he will judge them. And it looks like he hates them. And, he's, and he's, you know that vengeance that's going to be poured out upon them is only because God is holy and there's another side of God and he has to execute his righteous judgment. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. God is angry at the wicked every day. And yet at the same time, he loves them. So how does that work? How does that work? Because they're the two natures of God. God knows how to be angry without being malicious and have ill intent. His vengeful is based upon his righteous judgments, his righteousness and who he is. I thank God we have a God like that. We know the difference. That's why the blood of the martyrs say, when Lord, when will you avenge us? Because of the way people treat God and his people, there's going to be, listen, a reckoning. There's going to be a day of reckoning. And which side are you going to be? Because if you're not on God's side, on Christ's side, then you're an antichrist. You, you know what an antichrist is? One who rejects Christ. You may not be a big antichrist, but you can be a little antichrist by rejecting the things of God and rejecting his son. You can be antichrist in that, you know, uh, disposition, so, so to speak. And so, in order for you and I to escape the judgment, which is, apparently, it's coming. It's coming. We need to be in Christ. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all our hearts. You know, God uses the days of Noah to, to remind the world that he judged those people that rejected God in that day. He uses Sodom and Gomorrah as a reminder. He uses the angels that have fallen as a reminder that God will judge man in that day. You want to escape the judgment? Well, you need to come to Christ. You know, I can almost see why God judges people. Because when you see their reactions toward him, and the gospel, and, his, and, and, and those things, you can almost see, mate, you're, you're, you're getting what you deserve. You're asking for it. Why? Because of their indifference. Why? Because of their just, just disgusting attitude toward God. There are so many people who don't believe in God. They say they don't believe with God, but they're still angry with him. I was chatting with these, this person just recently and they're talking about how they don't believe in God and they never will believe in God and, uh, and, 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 and they, won't believe a, uh, they won't believe in a God like that. So they, they, what they're saying is they believe in God but they just don't like the way God is ruling. They don't want to believe in a God like that. So what kind of God have you made in your mind? You know what that person is telling me? You want to be God. And if you were God, this is how things will be. How would it be? God will accept you in your sin. There's no punishment for sin. There's no suffering for sin. No, there is. And this is why God judged our sin on behalf of his son for our redemption, our salvation, because there is a penalty for it.
I plead with you today, don't take this, you know, in a way where she'll be right, mate. It's all good. Because it's not if you reject Christ. That day is coming. The day of reckoning is coming. But you can escape the day of judgment if you receive Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. You know how many people are in hell right now and cannot say, cannot say, I didn't know. That's one thing they cannot say. I didn't know. Now you know. And you know that you've made that decision. And you know that you had an opportunity to receive Christ and you didn't. You knew. You can never say when you end up in hell, I did not know. God wants to save you. God wants to wash away your sin. Every one of them that are on that list that you have over the years, God wants to redeem you, wants to forgive you. But the question is, do you want to be forgiven? Or do you want to continue in your sinful ways in disobeying God? You know, when you come to Christ, it doesn't mean everything's going to become perfect and all of a sudden you're going to start obeying perfectly. No. But your heart has the attitude saying, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. I, I want to love you. I want to obey you. And then you know what? When you get saved and you don't, man, you're just disappointed. It breaks your heart because you know you let him down. And God sees the heart of that person wanting to become like Christ. Don't, he doesn't want the old man. He's crucified the old man. doesn't want it. It's crucified there. I'm crucified with Christ. I don't want it. I'm buried with him in baptism, raised with him. You know, that's what salvation is all about. You identify yourself with Christ, who is your saviour. And he's the one that will come back again. Look at this. Let's finish this. Verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them. Who? The one that have trusted Christ as their saviour. That look for him shall he appear. What? A second time. Without sin under salvation. So he's not going to come again to die for our sins. He's already done that. He's going to redeem those that have trusted him. He's going to redeem those that have put their faith in him. And so I'm going to ask you a question. Have you trusted Christ as your saviour? So what's another evidence? Are you looking for him? Do you care? Do you care? Are you looking for that blessed hope? Are you anticipating his coming? You know what the Apostle Paul says? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even if he didn't come in your lifetime and you died, can you say it's a profit and not a loss? <laughs> now, I just love his language. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a loss. For me, it's a gain. My, I mean, who wants to think about death and die? Well, the one that's redeemed, saved, knows where he's going. The one that's trusted his beloved, yeah, absolutely. The one that has trusted the shepherd, yes. But someone that doesn't know where they're going fears death. Even when they say they don't fear death, they fear death. You know why? When it comes to die on their deathbed, watch how they act and react in their heart. Watch the fear that enters in their, in their eyes. There's no peace. They're lost. I've seen... Someone die without Christ. 
but say they had Christ, the fear in his face, and I've seen someone with Christ and the joy and the peace on their face. It's a big difference. And this is what it's going to boil down to. People think it's fun and games, but when you're on your deathbed or when cancer perhaps strickens our body or some sort of disease because of sin or, or, or something that's taken place, we then understand the severity of life. The Bible teaches us to number our days, to apply our heart to wisdom. I ask you a question. What is your life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. Who is your life? Well, Paul says we ought to set our affections on things above, not here on the earth. Because Christ, who is our life, will come and will be with him in glory. If you be risen with Christ, set your, where is your life? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Look, do you even care? Do you even care about the God and the things of God and about Jesus Christ and about life, death, eternity, the Bible? Do you even care about the life that God has given you? Because if you don't, well, there's nothing that God can do for you. Because as soon as you walk out of those doors, guess what? You're back to your own ways like a sheep gone astray, living a life of disobedience. But you know what? When life catches up with you or death catches up with you and you end up in torment and hell like that rich man that lived without God and didn't obey the voice of the uh, prophets and the voice of Moses and didn't hearken to those things that pointed to Christ, don't you dare blame God. Don't you dare. You can be bitter against God all the way to hell. It's not going to change God's love or holiness. The way you react to the things of God is only going to ruin your life. And that's the truth. That name which is above every name, Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And if you don't bow the knee now, one day you're going to bow the knee, but it's going to be too late. Don't let it be too late for you. I love him. I, love, I feel like having, creating another shirt just for a mission statement so the world knows I love Jesus because the world hates him. But I want to tell them I love him. He's my savior. He's my king. And I'm not ashamed to be called his child. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, I, I believe every single believer ought not to be ashamed. Those that are ashamed of Christ are those that don't really know him, have never met him, don't understand what it means to be saved, don't understand what it means to be forgiven. I'll close with this. I walked into the chemist. It was a cold night. I think it was Friday night. It was colder than Saturday. And I walked in Hamilton there. I walked into the chemist. And, uh, and, the, and I wanted to hand the gospel tract to the guy he seemed to be new working there in that chemist. I said, do you want one of these? He says, no, thank you. I said, okay, no worries. He goes, how long are you going to be out there? I said, oh, oh I don't know. Why? He goes, oh, it's pretty cold out there. You'd have to be committed. I said, I am committed. If I believe what I believe, and I do believe that there are people going to hell, and I believe that. And that their only hope is Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I am committed. And there are people going to hell. So, would you like one of these? He goes, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. There is a hell. Judgment's coming. 
judgment's coming. We don't stand on the corner like drop kicks telling people that, you know, warning people of the wrath to come for nothing. We don't waste that. We're not being religious, are we? I hope you're not being religious when you go out there or when you're here. I hope this is not a religion for you. It makes you feel good so you can live like the devil Monday to Saturday. This ought to be your life. When you're saved, it becomes your life, not a religion. You know what? Religions put a stigma to Christ's name. I tell people, Jesus is not a religion. He's a person to follow. He's the God-man. And he makes himself known. And the Spirit of God makes himself known. And the God-appointed preachers on every corner make him known. Yeah. It's more than just a religion. It's more than just having a stand with magazines. It's more than just holding a tin to ask for a penny or two. It's more than that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is going out to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one that can save them from, this, from sin, death and hell and the judgment to come. So my question here is, you got, are you ready for the two appointments? You have an appointment with death, it's coming. It's going to knock at your door anytime soon. We took our kids to an excursion to the cemetery and we showed them that death is not a respecter of persons. We saw the youngest one that we saw. Do you remember what it was, Elisha? Two years old. The youngest person. Two years old. On that tombstone. It's coming. And then you have an appointment with God. Are you ready for it? If God were to stop you at the pearly gates and say, why should I let you in? What would you say? Have you trusted Christ as your saviour? I'm going in. I'll say to him, Lord, there's nothing good that I've done or will ever do to earn your favour or let me into your kingdom. But rather what your son has done, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trusted him 19 years ago. My saviour, my Lord. I'm going in because of him. I'm going in because of what he has done. He's paid my debt. He was a ransom for me. He has redeemed me. He's forgiven me. His blood, there's power in the blood. And I wanted it. And I'm cleansed. I'm washed. I'm sanctified. Uh, it's nothing that I've done, God. It's all that he has done. He said it is finished. And I believed him that day, the 18th of December 2002. I believed him. I came to him with all my heart. And I know that day he heard my cry. I knew it. <laughs> yes. What about you? What would you say? So I don't know what I would say. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. Well, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And if you don't know where you're going, it could be that you're still lost. And you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't want to be politically correct in your answer. You want to know for sure. You want to know for sure. May God help every single one of us know how to answer those two appointments. Amen? Let's pray.